You're listening to WNHH 103.5 FM, Community Radio. This is The Table Underground, and I'm your host, Tegan Engel. We're digging into stories of food, radical love, and creative social justice. Environmentalist Domingo Medina left his conflicted homeland in Venezuela and brought his knowledge for natural resource management to his adopted home of New Haven, Connecticut. Through his business, Peels and Wheels Composting, Domingo and a small crew are biking the city and picking up food waste from homes and restaurants around town. The kitchen scraps are brought to their outdoor composting site built on an asphalt parking lot they share with New Haven Farms, just under Interstate 95. Domingo, inspired by similar businesses across the country, has worked out an efficient process for diverting trash from incinerators and turning it into nutrient-rich compost. This valuable resource is then shared with its customers and local urban farming groups who use it to grow nutritious, free produce for mostly low-income communities around the city. Since 2014, Peels and Wheels has created six part-time jobs and diverted 140,000 pounds of waste from being burned, the equivalent in reducing air pollution of getting 230 cars off the road. To see all of this in practice, I met Domingo at the snow-covered farm and compost site on a sunny February day to check out his setup and hear about what's motivating this man to spend his time caring for other people's trash. Hi, Domingo. Hi, Tegan. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're at, we're at New Haven Farms, right off Long Island Sound at the edge of the highway. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit, what are we looking at here? What we're looking at is uh, a very winter-like day with a lot of snow covering the site of uh, New Haven Farms. We're actually on the parking lot of Phoenix Press. Uh, Phoenix Press uh, has allowed New Haven Farms to operate uh, for many, so many years now to provide food for for the community and also it has allowed me as a small business uh, peels and wheels composting to do my composting here uh, what I want to show you is that the you know we have the wind turbine um, that you can't see right now but certainly is a very important piece for me I, I call this the corner of sustainability you have um, this attempt to cover energy from the from the wind uh, to be able to power Phoenix Press. Then you have the land that is set aside for growing food during the spring and the summer and the fall. And then you have the compost site uh, that is basically recycling food scraps that's coming from the, the, the neighborhoods that uh, eventually is going to end up here uh, on the farm. So it's a nice little corner of sustainability that not many people know about, uh, but it's pretty, pretty key. What I want to show you is something I wrote there is, that's called community composting. And basically, what, uh, what it means is that we are capturing a percentage of the food scrap, the organic waste that's going to the mainstream, and we are recirculating in the, in, the, in, the, in the city. So this is what I wrote. Why, why do we do compost here? And say, by diverting food waste from municipal incineration and towards composting, we reduce the cost of waste and environmental pollution in New Haven, linked to human health, and we have a chance to create rich soil amendments for growing plants and food in our place while creating local jobs. So all these people that help me doing composting here are basically not only paying for a service, but also to improve the quality of life in New Haven by mitigating environmental pollution, you know, recycle those resources for growing food and creating jobs that, that, uh, that are, are with me. Behind this, you might not be able to see but it's one of the ideas why I started all this is that we burn everything. 
all our food waste, all our organic waste that goes in the trash, we basically haul it. Uh, the city pays $85 a ton to haul this material to Bridgeport, to Hartford, and then burn it. Uh, and I did a study um, uh, several, uh, you know, two, three years ago, and we know that there are emissions, mercury emissions, and other type of pollutants that come from these pipes. The sewage system that, that's behind here the, the, from the water company, uh, we know for a fact that the emissions coming up from it. So what can we do to mitigate that? And that's why the reason I started doing composting. Yeah. I mean, I can really feel that here because we're surrounded by oil tankers, mm. by, you know, water that is, it's ocean water, but it's very still because yeah. it's Long Island Sound. Yeah. And so there's definitely a feeling of, uh, we're in, we're on the edge of a huge industrial area in all directions. And so you have this little corner of sustainability no, here. I, I love it. I love it. And, and this, in the, the spring and the summer, that becomes a different, a different site, uh, full of plants, full of food food of edibles and people come and learn about growing food, learn about nutrition, learn about cooking, learn about composting and it just enriches our life. You know, I, I see all this as just improving the quality of life in New Haven. Yeah, absolutely. Let's walk into the sun for a second because it's cold out here. <laughs> so for people who don't know about your program, because it's a, a fairly small um, composting program in New yeah. Haven, can you explain how it works? How are you getting compost and, okay. and what are you doing? Um, Peels and Wheels um, is a small local business. Um, you basically find the, through the webpage pwcomposting.com. You can find uh, a way to learn about the program, what we do, why we do it, the, with the type of impact that we're having in the community. But that's where you can sign up. Uh, basically, it's, um, a, it's a, a pickup and composting service. So you're picking up four somebody to come to your house or to your small business or your office to pick up on a weekly basis uh, your food scraps. Then this material is brought here into Phoenix Press and that's where we uh, make compost. If you want compost, you can have compost back for free. So you're saving if you are a gardener, if you have a little uh, plot where you grow some food, uh, or even for your urban trees or your front trees or your front lawn, uh, you can use the compost. Uh, so it's basically $7.50 for pickup. Uh, and processing so that's around thirty dollars a month mm -hmm. and the people that you don't know, produce as much so they can do every other week and you know, on a bi-weekly basis around right now i have like almost 150 um, clients i don't call them clients i call composters these are people that have decided to set aside their compost uh, to be able to do goods for, for new haven uh, and uh, so i always say that i work with people that that, uh, that who will that who will make a change for a better place here in New Haven. And so people have a bin maybe in their kitchen, like yeah. a, it could be a pot so or some special kind of container, yeah. and then what are they? What kinds of things are they putting in it for you to pick up? Okay, so I provide a 2.4 gallon, three gallons and five gallon bins. Uh, the cost is the same, uh, what, I, what is depends on the amount of volume that you produce on a weekly basis. Um, what I want the, the people basically to compost anything that's organic matter. That means anything that is a product of is animal based or plant based. So, you know, it could be meat, it could be, you know, um, uh, cheese, could be vegetable, fruits, anything again that is organic based that you can use. Um, Paper. They, paper. People can do paper also, that's animal, it's plant-based. Yeah. Um, uh, the only requirement is that to be able to fit into the bin, you have to chop it. So as part of being a composter, you have to reduce the particle size. So while you're preparing your kitchen scraps 
or you are after you have consumed and you have some leftovers, uh, those are the things that you shed there the, uh, in your bucket. And then once a week, we'll, we have a system of bikes and trailers uh, where a biker will come on a, on a weekly basis and pick up from, you know, whether it be your front porch, your back, for, uh, your back porch, you know, sometimes you have, it, you have to get into a building to be able to do that. Um, but everybody that has started with me has been very, very happy because they can't imagine doing differently now. Uh, than putting things on a plastic bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you put it in a plastic bag, and then I would think, when is this ever going to decompose? Because yes. it somehow has to get out of the plastic yes. first. So I love also that you're collecting by bicycle. So you have a yes. trailer on the back of the bicycle, and then you're not creating emissions yeah. as you're going around and picking yeah. things up. There's a company, there are like 35 companies like mine in, around the U.S., and we are organized under the concept of community composting. There, there's an organization called the Institute of local self-reliance that have been producing a lot of material around you know the best management practices for community composting and again the concept is how can we capture a percentage of that food waste that is going to the mainstream to be able to recycle into the economy of the place um, and so we meet once a year this year we are preparing a big big uh, conference and part of the steering committee down in Manhattan because uh, the city of New York has supported a lot of small efforts about composting to the point that they actually overtook a small composting uh, site and they became you know, a, a site of reference in Queens where they do composting under the Queensboro Bridge. Uh, so it's amazing the things that they're doing there. So we have followed through also with this uh, concept here in New Haven uh, and trying just to improve the quality of life overall. Um, we have been contributing systematically year by year by providing food, uh, sorry, compost to New Haven farms if New Hampshire Farm produced last year like 16,000 pounds of food, and I'm just, you know, I feel so satisfied each time Jacqueline um, or Jocelyn comes and asks me, hey, do you have some compost? I say, yeah, take it whatever you want. And they spread it over the beds, and, they, and they, you know that you're contributing to, to the production of food here. Also with New Hampshire Land Trust, with Love Fed also, I have uh, donated uh, um, a compost for them. Uh, so it's very, very satisfying that you somehow are closing the loop. Yeah. Uh, we are producing food waste that uh, we try to bring it back to the original where, where source of food is being made, uh, being produced. Uh, and that's very satisfying for my work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're mentioning a whole bunch of local urban farm farming groups yeah. that are running community gardens and gardens as businesses and gardens as programs for, for people's health. Yeah. Um, and so this farm is really great because it was built on a parking lot it's amazing. <laughs> we are, we're actually standing on top of asphalt yeah. that has been capped, uh, and then we, soil has to be brought in. So one thing that I wanted to mention is that one of the challenges of growing food uh, in the city is that we have um, lead and we have uh, arsenic and other uh, heavy metals, and that's why the recommendation of capping and uh, using uh, raised beds for that. But even if we buy um, soil from outside, top soil from outside, there's no guarantee that it might not be contaminated. One, the, one of the benefits of composting is that compost is known to bind lead and arsenic and other heavy metals. Um, so it helps to mitigate you know, uh, the issues that we might have in soil. So that's the challenge is that, uh, uh, for an urban setting. But we have enough resources. We have the food waste. 
we have the leaves that we have we can collect on the fall that is for free basically and then we have the wood chips also that the uh, the for the management of, of many of the trees that, that need to be pruned down or taken down uh, that are a source for of our carbon that can be utilized so we have the resource in the city to again make good compost and to provide jobs so that's another thing that's important mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we go on to the jobs part, I just want to say, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, this is a service that people are paying for. So mm -hmm. it's it's sometimes going to, it's obviously going to people who can afford, even though it's not very expensive, mm -hmm. they can afford a little bit to pay. But what you're saying is that you're also then giving, you're gifting back that compost, maybe from families in more middle class areas who can pay mm -hmm. for their, their food scraps to be mm -hmm. picked up, mm -hmm. but you're gifting the compost back to people in all different areas, mm -hmm. many of them that are gardens in low-income communities where people are then growing yep. food and getting food for free. So yep. it's also sort of a, a small piece of economic justice yep. that you're providing in the way, the, the, the kind of cycle of life that you're supporting. I, I believe so. I mean, when I talk, talk about recycling, is, you know, is take a resource like a food waste and, you know, recirculate it as much as possible. And that means not only creating jobs, but, what, you know, who needs compost? In the city, you have people that have gardens, that have uh, um, home gardens, that have trees, that have parks. You know, there's so many places where we can use, utilize it. The, another thing, powerful thing about this is that we are helping to mitigate uh, climate change by reducing pollution and capturing that carbon and keeping it in the soil. We do, you know, everybody's concerned about marching to, to, to Washington. They say, well, one thing that you can do on a day-by-day -day basis is to compost. We don't need to wait for politicians to make decisions for us. We can make the decision of composting in a daily basis. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that struck me, uh, Tegan, is that 90% of my composters are women. And uh, I, I don't dare to ask why, <laughs> but this, you know, this, you know, every time somebody calls me, it's a woman behind that uh, line, that uh, email, they say I want to compost. Uh, these tend to be young women or professional women, uh, probably head of household, you know, with kids, uh, but they somehow know the importance of compost, mm -hmm. and um, you know, something to research and ask why. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I, I'm very pleased with that. Yeah, <laughs> So maybe we can go over, yeah. walk over to the bins so we can learn a yeah. little about how you're doing this. I wonder, you, you talk about in your programs a lot about food security. And uh, I just wanted to mention something here sure. that, that, that we are in the greenhouse. So one of, the, one of the problems that I have right now is not so much the issue of food production. is the how nutrient-rich is your food. You might have big uh, tomatoes, very colorful, uh, you know, very juicy, but they lack taste, they lack uh, of nutrient-rich um, uh, of density. Um, so, and uh, we know that since the 1950s, we have been losing nutrient value of our food. It is said out there that, you know, the, the nutrient value of a, an apple of the 1950s, it's probably we have to eat like 25 apples wow. of today to be able to do that. And the actual tables that you can look at, how we have lost that. And that has to do with the, the way we have produced our food in this country. Uh, from, you know, leaving basically not working with soil. So about food security is how also how we conserve our soil, how we make sure that our soil biology is in place, that we have actually a, a soil that is balanced, that it has a, the nutrient value, and that the symbiosis relationship that exists between the plants and the soil biology is in place to make sure that they, they can interchange the, you know, sugars and carbohydrates with all these minerals that are in the soil. 
Uh, so that's part of food security, how we protect the basis of where we grow our food. Uh, and uh, and of course, for urban spaces, are always a very challenging. Yeah. So. yeah, and it's so important because it's you know if someone goes to get a head of lettuce or a bag of carrots or mm. something, kind of how much nutrients are they getting from that? And and often people have no idea how to understand that oh, if yeah. if that carrot has a lot of nutrients or not. It might look the same, mm -hmm. but if it's grown in soil that is more factory farm raised soil, then yeah. there's less nutrients in there, and that's less nutrients getting absorbed and kind of grown into that that yeah. same carrot. Yeah, no, I agree. So th I feel that, you know, I'm not a grower, although I participate in, in a garden uh, at the UU, um, and I really grow food. Uh, I'm, I don't consider myself a farmer, but I consider myself a, 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 like, I'm, I'm like another worm, you know. I contribute to enhancing soils uh, for growing food and for growing plants. And uh, that's a nice uh, way. This is where I feel that I'm part of nature. Many, you know, we are mostly takers. We always take from the environment, we always take from our surroundings. Uh, but this is a way that I feel that I'm part of nature because I contribute to the regeneration, to the resiliency of our place by enhancing our soil. So, mm. yeah. yes. <laughs> I love that. Yes, absolutely. All right, let's walk over to the compost. Okay, so. Okay. Uh, what you're looking here are my bins. This was called an in-vessel aerated static pile system okay so every week on a monday my bikers uh, and i include myself here we bring around uh, a ton and a half of material uh, that we collect uh, from around the neighborhood of east rock uh, prospect hill fairhaven downtown new haven westville um, uh, of, all, of, of all these places and we bring it here and we make a recipe we make a blend of what we call a carbon to nitro uh, uh, we combine carbon and nitrogen uh, uh, feedstocks so you can see over there the pile of wood chips that I've collected uh, from um, uh, uh, three removal guys that, that work then I have a lot of leaves that you can see that have been piled uh, that will be enough for the rest of the year and I mix it in a proportion. Once that, I fill a bin, you know, and you can see this. I'm going to open a bin here right now. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, this, we mix it, uh, and then we cap it with some compost. And you can see as we speak, uh, there's no odor. You can't smell anything. No, there's no yeah. foul here. And the, one of the reasons is that we have a system, is a solar system uh, of two solar panels with two batteries uh, that, you know, basically captures energy from the sun and then we can run a blower that pushes air into the chambers and keep the system aerobic. So in a matter of 30 days, I can able to break down this material enough uh, the, and take them out from this bin and then let the, leave them for curing for another 60 days. And then it's ready to go. It's mature enough uh, for, uh, to be used at the garden, at the farm, uh, in front of your trees. But you can see, you know, right now it's cold outside, but we are around, I don't know, 120 degrees. It's active compost, and we're not doing anything. We only did the proper mixture with proper moisture, and the rest is air, and you can hear it right now. There's a blower running yeah. that is pushing air every 30 minutes for around three to four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes me happy because those bacteria are breathing and growing. So. All right, so in simple terms, you're using the leaves to create layers between the more wet, heavy food waste yes. that you're collecting. And then you're saying that you have this blower that's 
you say it's an aerobic environment, so that means that there's oxygen going yeah. in, and so the oxygen is helping to break down the compost well, inside. Well, basically, what the oxygen is doing is providing oxygen to the bacteria and to the fungi. You know, like we are, you know, we need we need oxygen and we need water, and that's what we do. We create the conditions for this biology to function, for the bacteria and to the fungi to do the decomposition, to deal with the fats, to deal with the you know with all the elements of the lignins in the in the in the wood chips uh, and in the leaves that need to be broken down so I'm a facilitator of a process that nature does by itself without us compost happens so if you go to a forest this will happen naturally but it just takes longer for us we have to create condition to be able to produce compost in a much more shorter period of time around 30 days yeah, so that's great. That's yeah. a pretty fast turnaround. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. Uh, and that's why we can manage, you know, an, a ton and a half of material on a weekly basis. Yeah. yeah. And so you have a, a thermometer here in the middle. I what wanted to show you that, you know, uh, that one of the indicators that things are functioning is that we are, you know, n natural will heat up. So this indication that the population of bacteria is growing, that they are degrading, they're decomposing, uh, so the system is, is, is working. If it's under 100 degrees, uh, sorry, 90 degrees, it means that somehow the system has become stale. It's probably too cold outside. Uh, the bacteria become dormant and, pe and things are not decomposing. But because we have made sure that we had the recipe and the, and the moisture and the oxygen, you know, naturally they are feeding, basically. Yeah. Uh, so despite of the cold weather outside, this thing is going to be decomposing yeah. beautifully. And so how did you learn this recipe? And by recipe, you mean sort of the mix of the yeah. leaves and, and then the, the household waste? This, that's a good question. Um, I, um, I'm, I have a master's degree and a, and a doctorate in natural resource management and community development. Uh, and uh, I couldn't do it anymore for, because of, of political reasons back home. And then I, I ended up here in New Haven with my wife. And, and I, you know, I had to reinvent myself. So I started working in a CSA and working um, in a farm. And that's where I got interested in soil. And eventually um, I got into the Yukon master program for compost. Uh, and that got me excited. I had to do a couple of projects. So I did a project with the Cold Spring School where we started the compost there. And then when you have farms, I met uh, Rebecca Klein and I saw all this compost they were buying in, in bags, and, uh, and I told them, you know, we have to do some things differently. So I got a, a training by, with the Yukon um, master, uh, compost uh, master program, and then... And, I, and you don't mean like a master's degree, it's more like no. a, a training program. It's a training program, like the Master Gardener too. Okay. Uh, and then I, go, I went to California, and I took a, um, a composting a facility management course with the U.S. Compost Council. So uh, I'm not certified. Uh, I could you become certified uh, if I wanted to. I just need to take the exam. But I have enough training to be able to do. So you learn this. You can buy books that will teach you. You know, you don't have to be an expert on this. Um, but it's very simple. It's, it, there's a logic. There's a science behind as well as there's an art behind it. All right, so you have these three bins here. Each one looks like it's about maybe four it's and a four half by feet. Four by four. Four by four by four. And so it has the capacity to, to manage 2.4 cubic yards of material. Um, so it's a rotating system. Uh, so every week I basically filling out one, taking okay. material out, putting it there to cure where the black tarps it. And so I have a rotating system. Okay, so you have these five bins there are eight in total oh there's eight in total okay so you have eight bins and then so you're saying when you take 
what's going out there under the tarps? It's basically the, it's, it's the material that has been decomposed for more than a month that goes there for curing. That means it's still active, it's still decomposing, but it's, go, it's not going to heat any, anymore. You still have oxygen exchange and uh, you have bacterial activity going on. So it requires another 30 days uh, or 60 days, depending on the temperature outside, to become uh, mature. And what I do is I put uh, their worms and the worms that doing the rest of the work. <laughs> mm -hmm. And they provide their own casting, so they enrich the, the compost that I have. Yeah. And so you get worm, you buy worms from somewhere to add, or they I'm just kind of grow uh, on their they, own? They came, they came by their own. Uh, it's amazing. Um, I think what happened is somebody called me that they had a, a backyard compost. They, they were going to move, and they wanted to remove that uh, compost in the back. And I took them, and that was full of worms. So when I put it here on my pile, it just colonized the whole thing. So yeah. they, they, they're going to come, you want it or not. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I have a compost pile in my backyard. It's nothing like this it's very informal and i mostly use it as a way just to not put so much food into the trash okay. and so i just have three pallets that i got for free oh, from great. like a garden center yeah, yeah. that i kind of tied them together in the corner of the mm. yard and i just throw my food scraps mm. there and then i put some leaves and mm. i i definitely don't do an official recipe yeah. or yeah. or anything but yeah. it it decomposes and then mm. you know sometimes i put it on the garden or yeah. sometimes i just spread it in the yard mm. um, and some of our neighbors come in and, mm. and dump stuff there as well but it it makes it so that i have a lot less yeah. food that goes into my trash yeah, which yeah, i that, which i true. feel good about yeah. but my favorite <laughs> thing is when i stick a shovel in it in the summer uh -huh. and underneath all the mess there's dark soil and oh, lots beautiful. of worms yes. squirming yes. around then i know something good yeah. is happening in there no very nice uh, i want to make a distinction is that um when you do compost you have to ask yourself you know uh, what's the purpose of your compost so basically you are into the waste management that you know the example of i don't want to throw into the waste i have a backyard compost I just want to be able to uh, avoid the amount of food waste I'm throwing into the into the garbage, and then I eventually going to use it for my garden. The other way is, you know, how can I contribute to close the loop? Right. Uh, so that food scrap, that food waste should go to places where food is being grown, uh, because one of the challenges that many um, farmers have right now uh, is how to maintain the amount of organic matter on the soil uh, and the nutrients also on the soil. So each time they harvest. They're basically taking out all those nutrients that were invested to grow their food. Uh, so they have to somehow recover that. And the best way to do it is to recover it in a way that's organically, that is not artificial, that is not inorganic. Uh, so the way I look at it is, you know, how can we contribute from the urban place to, you know, rural farms or urban uh, farms to contribute to that, to regenerate those soils enough um, so they can be viable, they can be sustainable in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. And I'm just thinking about, you know, one of the problems with my compost is that, because I don't do it anywhere near as carefully, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am not educated about yeah. it, really, uh, but is that if I spread it on my garden where I grow mm -hmm. food, that my compost, you know, I end up with lots of little seedlings because yeah. anything I put in the compost with seeds, yeah. I don't think my compost gets hot enough yeah. to actually decompose the seeds, even yes. if I can't really see them when yeah. I spread the compost. Although sometimes I can, like <laughs> a, a pumpkin seed or a squash yeah. seed, I can see. But uh, is is what you're doing, because of the temperature and, and the 
the amount of oxygen that you're mm. getting into your compost, you're really getting this to a much hotter oh, yes. level. And so it's really breaking down the seeds and all these things yes. that are in the compost. Oh, yes. The one, one key is the size of my bin. So, you know, if it's too small, like your backyard compost, as you said, it won't generate enough heat. So things like pathogens, things like weeds uh, might survive over time. Uh, and therefore, if you're going to put in your plants, you know, you're going to start having, you spray in the weeds or any, if, if you have any pests like E. coli or Chirichocoli, sorry, Salmonella, these are things that will linger. So you need systems like this that will be able to heat things up above 130, 140 degrees to get to a phase uh, of what they call a process to further reduce pathogens. And those heats, a, a minimum three days in a row will guarantee to kill those pathogens and those weeds a, and even deal with you know um, meat and other much more tougher type of um, material to decompose so it's, it's done in a, in a way that reduces nuisances like odors and rodents and so on but also guarantees a, that you don't have those weeds uh, lingering or those pests li lingering so yeah that's the challenge of the backyard composting that you want to start avoiding stuff uh, because of the potential things that will remain inside your compost bin right yeah and it's so important that this is safe that you're oh, not yes. going to spread a for pathogen or, or yeah. something for so me it's very important because it's going to go for a farm that's going to grow food that's going to feed people so i need to know that what i'm providing them is something that uh, that is key i i evaluate my compost once a year i send it to a lab in penn state uh, that uses the the protocols for the u.s compost council yeah. uh, and uh, so at least have in peace of mind it says that whatever i'm doing i'm doing it right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so nobody asked me for that uh, even if you're going to go buy compost, whether it be Home Depot, will be your local nursery, it's very difficult to find information of the quality of the compost and whether this uh, compost um, is done properly. I do it because, you know, if people ask me, I have something to show uh, that, that it needs to be done responsibly. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And for my backyard, I because I know that it's not getting very hot, I don't put meat in it. Mm -hmm. I actually don't put eggshells in because they don't really decompose, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. though I would like the mm -hmm. nutrients yeah. from them. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't put things that are very oily in because I yeah. feel like that kind of gums it up. So uh, I'm glad you're doing all these things yeah. to make it work right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, key things that they, uh, for backyard composting, for those of you that are listening that, that have a backup, I haven't met yet somebody that says, Yes, I do backyard composting and I'm happy with it and things are great. There's always the issues of troubleshooting. Uh, so the keys are here is the particle size. So you want to have at least a quarter inch to half an inch of size of your particles so if you can chop them. That will accelerate the process of decomposition. Then mix it you know, on a ratio of two to one uh, or three to one. That means uh, your leaves, your paper, uh, should be in relation of three units to one. If you have a five-gallon bucket of um, food waste, for instance, that coming from your kitchen, you should put two or three buckets of leaves or carbon-based material like paper and so on. So that relationship first. And then you have to make sure that it's moist enough, that it's, you know, that it's like a sponge where you actually press it. It's moist, but it's not dripping water. Uh, and the other thing you want is to aerate it. And that means you need an aerator, something that will fluff the material and, and let air to come in. Like I'm doing here, I'm pushing air and forcing air. But if you don't have a system like mine, you have to use a shovel, you have to do a fork, use a fork, or an aerator that's basically some, um, uh, a tool that you can find online that will puncture through the material 
uh, when you turn it, it will open to uh, uh, flaps on the bottom and then you push it up and will fluff the material. That will accelerate and heat up your compost. Yeah. And with those these you know, you manage for moisture, you manage for air, and then you, mi you manage for the carbon to nitro, uh, nitro, uh, nitrogen relationship. If you do that, you're going to have, you know, in a matter of three months uh, to four months, a, a nice compost for your backyard. Yeah, that's great. And I didn't realize when you were explaining the, the air that you're bringing in that that means you don't have to turn the compost. Oh, yes. So that I, st I started this by <laughs> with a fork here in the corner. Every, every two days I was, you know, uh, using the fork. And then I learned that, uh, you know, why don't you push air inside? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I found a, a very nice guy, Peter Moon, is the owner of O2 Compost out in Seattle. And he helped me, he helped me to retrofit uh, my bins uh, with his knowledge. And now it's, you know, it's, it's working beautifully. So you, you said that you, where, what country are you from? You said it wasn't safe for you to practice what you were doing there. Uh, well, I come from Venezuela. Uh, you know, Venezuela is very much in the news right now. We are basically in a standoff between uh, what I consider the dictatorship and uh, a whole society that wants to see change and has uh, tried to do everything possible uh, from the democratic point of view to be able to change things. And so I used to work for a, a non-for-profit uh, uh, that you work with indigenous people and peasants in natural forests and uh, natural parks. And I worked there for 15 years. Mm. Uh, but it got to a point that was very difficult to work there. The government intervened, basically, the, 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 the land. Uh, it promised indigenous people, you know, boats and, and access and uh, technology and money. And uh, so all this idea of land rights that they were fighting for, they were pushed aside to thinking about just asking uh, the government for resources. So uh, what I was doing was very difficult to do. Uh, the report was, was being diminished uh, year by year. And then our funding were cut and so on. So um, that's, you know, that's why I ended up here. <laughs> and so how is it for you here now doing this, you know, connected, like it's still part of your knowledge and your passion, but yeah. it's a very different kind of work. How, yeah. and a different community, obviously. How is it for you? Well, you know, I had to develop uh, roots here. I had to develop uh, a, a, a sense of belonging here. It took me a while. It wasn't that easy. Uh, you know what helped me? Farming. Yeah. Farming. <laughs> Uh, I connected with farmers, I connected with the soil, I connected with, with an ecology that was foreign to me. I connected with a group of people, the New Haven Bioregional Group, that helped me to ground myself in place, to know New Haven. Now I feel that I'm, I'm a New Havener. Yeah. Uh, I, can can, I can see myself as a local. Uh, and now I'm contributing to the, you know, the, the quality of life of, of, of my place. Uh, so this is my place now, and they've, uh, it, but it started by learning my place. Yeah. Uh, many people, one thing that we have in here is that we have layers and layers of newcomers, uh, and they have to go through a process of making this place their place. Uh, in that way, they can pr protect it, they can conserve it, they can fight for it, they can make the changes that they feel that is important. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and one of the things that I love about New Haven Farms is that your the farm itself is actually servicing the Fairhaven community, yeah. which is mostly Latinx folks and, mm -hmm. and folks of color. And and so you're also being connected to people who are maybe not quite as transient or yeah. not the same yeah. as maybe the university population yeah. here. Yeah. So it's like a nice mix of, of different people in this in this ecosystem you have here. No, it's 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 beautiful. The the work that New Haven Farms is doing it's is it's about health. And health that connects it, what's most important, you know, is, is growing healthy food uh, to provide uh, a change in the lifestyle of people 
to re reduce the risk of having diabetes in their life. And what I've seen over the years is, you know, uh, very empowered people coming out from this place and wanted to keep on growing food. Uh, I think that's a future for many of us. Uh, we believe, at least in the New Haven Bioregional Group, is that we're going to get into an energy crisis in this country. Uh, we have going to certainly be facing issues of climate change and we're going to be issues uh, of economic instability. And the only way you can do and transform this stuff is you have to build resilient communities. Mm -hmm. So this movement of growing food, it can only grow. Yeah. It can't go back. It has to grow because yeah. we might not be able to be dependent anymore or bringing our stuff from California or, you know, or from the South. We'll have to go by season again and growing our stuff and learning how to cook uh, what we produce. Uh, and these are skills that we have to be developing right now. Uh, and New Haven Farm is doing it. So. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And I also have witnessed s the same as you, where you came from another country, but you made this place your home, yeah. and you brought knowledge with you. That that while New Haven Farms is working with people in the surrounding community and teaching them, that people from the surrounding community are also teaching the people at New Haven Farms. Yeah. So, That's so true. I remember being in the garden once, and we were weeding, and a lot of the women who were from Central America were like, "Don't pull that out. That's that's <laughs> good food, you yeah. know." And like people here didn't even recognize what we think of as weeds, as as medicine, as yeah. food. And so I think that exchange of of knowledge and wisdom mm -hmm. and again it's this like cycle of yeah. life is so important yeah one thing that i've learned from the, the women that, that that have participated in this country because uh, sorry in this program uh, because i have interviewed them is that they've come from countries uh, where they used to uh, eat very healthy some of them were growers some of them had access to you know farms around where they lived and when they came here they came without many choices and uh, many of the choices that they had there was limited to, you know, their income level and what was available around them. So it's not that they didn't know what, what a good food was. It was about not having the, the, the accessibility to it. So yeah. it has been a transformation that way. Yeah, absolutely. So can we walk over? I want to see the rest of your operation okay. here for a second. So this is a, a small, uh, I have people that do some drop-offs. These are people that live, not live in New Haven, that live, you know, I have people that live in Guilford, some in other towns outside. So they come and drop off their material here. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is what uh, an 18-gallon bin will look like. Uh, you can see eggs and you can see fruits and uh, oranges and, uh, you know, all kind of mixture. And so uh, this is all from one family? Uh, no, this could be probably two or three families. So on average, I found that the people... Every household is around eight to ten pounds of food waste they they, they generate, and um, that's a lot. Let's say that twenty percent of the population do composting, uh, or, or more. But let's say twenty. So that's still eighty percent uh, is a lot of food we we're throwing, and if we're paying through our taxes eighty-five dollars a ton to haul it elsewhere, you know we're losing money in the economy. We are wasting it. So I just wanted to give you a sense of scale. You just do the math and you realize uh, how much money that we are putting ourselves, we are throwing it out, we are burning it, basically. Yeah. yeah. And I saw some numbers. I don't know if you have them in your head, but it was pretty impressive the amount of um, waste that you've turned into compost and what the impact is on the environment. Can you share some of that? Yes. So I, can I don't have the numbers in my head right now. But I, but I have other numbers. So I know that for each of these bins, basically these are 2.4 cubic yards. So I'm producing on a weekly basis around 1.8 cubic yards of uh, compost. So uh, you can translate that into the amount of equivalent carbon uh, emissions 
uh, that we avoid by throwing it out uh, into the air. So that's right now we have, since I started in 2014, I have basically set aside from the road, I have moved aside around 230 cars. That's mm -hmm. equivalent in terms of emissions wow, that's that we're able. That's great. I don't know, probably compared to another industry, not that important, <laughs> but I, that's what I'm able to do you know, with the technology that I have, with the amount of people that I have. Uh, but I want to uh, grow. So this is how we're growing. Yeah, and, so, and tell me about the jobs, too, because I want to okay. hear about that. First, I'm going to tell you uh, the plans of, of growth. Um, I've been helping the New Heavenland Trust. They have a, a system like this of four bins, and they're going to start doing composting uh, for their gardens. And then I helped the um, Common Ground High School. I'm very excited about this. Uh, they wrote a grant uh, that they received from the USDA, and I helped them with information and with some of my knowledge, and they got the grant, and they built a facility four times larger than what I have here. Mm. So they're going to manage not only the waste inside the, 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 whole, the whole school, uh, where they also manage animals and they have a farm, but they'll be able to bring greens from outside and produce a, a significant amount of food. Uh, so helping that. And then uh, I'm also thinking developing another facility up in Bethany with the people of Rocky Corner. The first co-housing arrangement in the state of Connecticut is happening right now in Bethany. They, I think they have six houses already up. They're going to come out with 30 houses, and there's going to be building a farm. So we are, you know, thinking about developing a compost site there. So I'm, I'm really excited that we, we can only can grow, yeah. uh, and uh, hopefully people will follow. Yeah, that's so. great. And are you able to make enough of a living off this for yourself and, okay. and, and to pay people what you would like to be paying them? Okay, so let me talk about jobs. I have two kind of jobs uh, right now. I have the bikers, people that will jump into a bike, with a trailer and be able to haul food, food waste around. And I basically pay them $30 an hour. Nobody wow. in the right mind pay $30 <laughs> an hour. And Domingo, how do you do that? You're wasting money. They say, no, I'm not wasting money. I'm investing in people. I pay that amount because people out there in the hot of the summer or very in the very cold winter, and they're hauling material exposed to the elements and exposed to uh, being, you know, they're under risk of being hit by a car. So I can, I can count with people that they have a, a very good incentive to go out because they're going to be able to do $30 an hour. And the minimum route is around 20 households. So you're making $60, you know, on, on a route day. That's one job. And the other job is actually composting here at the site. Uh, that we do it every Monday after we pick up, uh, we process. And uh, the job here is $15 an hour. Uh, we basically finish in a couple of hours. We have four of us. So I basically broken even, you know. Um, so I'm making some money. I won't be able to live on my own. But I have a plan to be able to grow to make that sustainable, to really make truly s true salaries, at least half times, uh, part times, uh, half time uh, salaries for two, three people. And it's a, it's a, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm building a, a business. And the reason I did a business and not a non-for-profit, and another thing that I want to explain is that we don't truly pay for the cost of growing food, nor the true cost of management waste. And I believe that is the responsibility of all of us to contribute to that. Mm -hmm. It's easier to throw out trash. It's easy to buy cheap food. But the externalities of, you know, pesticides on our food, externalities of burning our, our food waste, we are not paying for that. So one way to do that is, you know, to set aside a little bit of money and pay 
for service. If not a service, you know, use a community garden to to uh, composting because we are not paying for the true cost of things, uh, and I think that's a responsibility. I know that not not everybody can afford it. I understand that, but we are all contributing to trashing our place. So if you can do it in your backyard, or you can do it in your community garden, or you can pay for a service, try to change the way the, uh, New Haven is do- dealing right now with food waste. It will be great. Um, so I'm doing my part on this, uh, educating people, showing w- what's possible. Uh, and uh, imagine systems like this in different neighborhoods where you can create you know, local jobs around it. And it's not that difficult, it's not that costly, and uh, I think it will make a, you know, a better place overall. Domingo, thank you so much. You're welcome. Very kind. To learn more about Peels and Wheels composting, go to pwcomposting.com. You can also find photos and links to everything we discussed in this show at thetableunderground.com. Check out past shows, articles, and recipes on our site, and follow us on all the social medias or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tegan Engel, and this is The Table Underground. Thanks for listening. You're listening to WNHH 103.5 FM Community Radio.